Hello, everybody. This is Barry Feeker, Executive Director of the Topeka Rescue Mission. Welcome to Our Community, Our Mission. Today is April 21st, 2020, and uh, we're going to be uh, following through with continued updates on coronavirus and Topeka Rescue Mission's response and this community and how we're networking together. Again, this morning, we have Kim Turley, Director of uh, Volunteers and Hello. Events. Good morning, Kim. Good morning. Uh, and uh, Miriam Crable, who's Director of our Supportive Services. Good morning, Miriam. Good morning. So uh, nothing has slowed down. <laughs> <laughs> since uh, a week ago, uh, we're trying to do these updates every week, and uh, but there is just more added every time that we go through the next need and understand the next need. I think one of the things that, uh, as of today, uh, we have fortunately had no known active coronavirus cases with the homeless yes. population praise in Topeka, God, huh? yeah. here at Topeka Rescue Mission. Yes, praise the Lord, and thank you all for your prayers. Uh, but we have had a lot of need. Uh, in addition mm-hmm. to that, I th- in the past broadcast, we've talked about different steps that we've taken, priority sheltering, keeping the building safe, social distancing, moving beds around. Um, talk a little bit in a little bit about partnerships and uh, some potential overflow spaces that we're looking at. Um, we have uh, created quarantine and isolation areas. Uh, we have had about four people that we've quarantined. Fortunately, they all tested negative. And so it goes on and on and on and on. But one of the things that everybody's aware of in the community, um, unfortunately for some people, it's firsthand experiences, is the food shortages. Mm -hmm. That people are not necessarily, there's a shortage of food, but there's a shortage of the ability to get food. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, Kim, I know that uh, this um, last week um, we added an additional day to our community food distribution. Mm -hmm. It's Tuesdays and Thursdays when Mm -hmm. we learned about harvesters needing to uh, stand down for a little while because of the uh, potential of coronavirus, which fortunately that is tested negative and they're back in business. Um, it just takes one organization that's uh, extremely important in the whole chain of events to not be able to be there, and then we have to figure out how to fill that gap. Oh, yeah. So there's been a growing um, um, need in our community like we've never seen before. I don't recall this in all my time at the rescue mission that we've seen this many people looking for something to eat. Mm-hmm. And um, we have had long, long, long lines around the community for the big food drop-offs that harvesters and churches and organizations are putting together. Uh, But the rescue mission, um, every Tuesday and every Thursday, we have had an ongoing food distribution of people who aren't necessarily homeless Mm -hmm. but are in need. And that's uh, been uh, increasing. And because of the harvester situation, we added Friday of Mm -hmm. last week. And we're going to be doing that again for a while, so three days a week. But, Kim, uh, it's uh, a drive-by. People come get the food. We ask a few questions, and then off they go. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the good pieces of all this is the food supplies that are coming from our different food suppliers is very healthy right now. Um, People have been very generous. Organizations like U.S. Foods, Harvesters, we've been able to get food from them. Reesers, others have just been tremendous Mm -hmm. to help us uh, as well as individuals. But tell us a little bit about who's coming by for food that's a little bit different than what we've been used to. Used to. Well, I normally don't get to help out with food distribution and I got to last week just because we needed help and um, it's it's just um, amazing to see the process we go through. Um, so I got to do the interview and everything. And um, we're seeing people that have never, ever come for services. They're not in the system or anything like that. And they just know that we're here and that we have food for them. Um, so it's just, and that's what I guess we want people to know is it's not, this isn't just for people that usually come on a monthly or every other month basis for food. 
our doors are open to anyone that is needing it. And also just putting it out there, it's a drive through. So I think a lot of people have in their mind our old system where you have to come in, you're sitting in a crowded waiting room sometimes to fill up not paperwork. Not doing that now. <laughs> nope, not doing it now. And so it's really easy. You just drive up, we walk out to your car, get your information and... We, it's contactless. We'll put it in your trunk if you need to. If it has to go inside your car, we'll put it on a pallet. You got to load it in your car. But we're going to make it as easy as possible for people to get food because we want people to just to come because we've been blessed tremendously with so much food right now. So We really are grateful for that. And, and Kim, you uh, had mentioned uh, not only that there's some people that are coming through that haven't you've never seen before, but it really is the first time for some folks oh, to yeah. need help. And uh, that's a hard thing for some folks mm-hmm. to come and, and say, hey, you know, I don't have another another way to get food right now. Yeah. And and so what do you, what do, you do in, in, in the experience that you had um, and what you saw the, the staff and volunteers doing to help people to feel okay about this? Well, our biggest thing is just showing compassion. And so we try to get as much information from them for our household and the household. And a lot of times you're like, oh, I don't have that information. We're like, okay, just bring it next time. We're not going to pressure anyone. I mean, we're going to make sure we can try to check the check you the best we can in our system so we can track it so we can see how much we're giving out and how much is in the system. Um, but we just want people to make sure they feel comfortable too. Um, and also it's a compassion thing. Um, Kay has really put that on her staff there, just showing compassion. We're trying not to de- deny, I think it is not decline, deny anyone, mm-hmm. um, even if it's a supplemental food bag, if they were just here at the beginning of the month or something like that. We want to make sure people are getting food just because – even if they may have gotten that food back at the beginning of the month, they may have some extra family that lost their housing or something. And so that's what we're just trying to remember, remind people too, is like, if you need help, come get help, because that's what we're here for. Absolutely. Yeah, this is not a time to uh, um, be um, proud. Mm-hmm. It's a time to take care of needs and a time for the community to come together and really be a community. Yeah. You've actually had some people who volunteered with the mission mm-hmm. that have come through now for help. And that's, yeah. I'm sure, very hard for them. But at mm-hmm. least they know where to come. Yeah. And so uh, if you're listening and you have a need, um, please do uh, not hesitate to come. And uh, the times that we're distributing the food um, at uh, the distribution center at 401 Norris is on Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Mm-hmm. From 9 to 2. Yep. 9 to 2. So just drive by and... Uh, and sometimes there's a long line, and sometimes there's not a long line. So uh, that that's good. Miriam, um, uh, you are um, senior director over supportive services, which is also includes distribution of food and, and those kind of things. Uh, what what have we been able to bless people with in those food baskets? You know, I was amazed because of what people have given us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're giving people things like hams and sausage rolls and all different kinds of things that really can sustain them. You know, it's not just about rice and beans, mm-hmm. which if that's all we have, that's wonderful too. However, how incredible that people really can sustain their families on the food that we're able to give because of what we are blessed with by the community and different companies and all of that. So it's incredible. I was I had Kay send me a list mm-hmm. of what goes into a food bag. It's multiple things, you know, bread and meat and vegetables and fresh produce when we have it and just all of those things, cereal, yeah. you know, because sometimes you just need cereal for supper, mm-hmm. right? right. Well, <laughs> or, or, some... or between suppers. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we had some big, big bags of like baked potato sized potatoes last week that yeah. we'll be able to give out. Like we just got them in. I don't remember from where, but 
we're we're getting in a lot of produce. So yeah, exactly. You know, uh, we uh, we asked the minimal amount of questions, um, and not that we would have to. But Mary, what's the importance of trying to get information? Well, we want to we want to try to track people too, and we do want this food to go as far as possible. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be able to share with different partners around the uh, community who we've already served, so that they can serve additional people. But we also want to be able to really talk with. Um, whether it's our city officials or whether it's grantors that send us money, whoever it might be, we want to be able to really tell people how many folks we're serving, how many pounds of food we're giving out, how many meals that equates to, and how many men, women, and children that actually serves. So it's important to track some of that information while not trying to be intrusive or, as Kim said, not trying to get information to deny people, but rather just so that we can share that information out. Also, we've been able to help a number of other organizations. Um, How many pounds did we give away? (laughs) Last week. Oh, it was it was something crazy, like twelve thousand pounds of food. Of food to other organizations. To other organizations that were Absolutely. passed through to help them to so not everybody had to come to the rescue mission. Right. But that's that partnership piece of this. Talk about partnerships and how you important know, this is. I think that partnership during times like this is probably more important than ever. It's always important, but right now, so that we can make sure that our systems are working for people, we have to work together. We need to know what other organizations are doing. And and one organization that's popped up recently, ironically, with a pop-up station, care station, um, is Community Action. And one of the things that they needed from us was food, so that they could give food to people that they were serving for other purposes. Um, And something that we found, too, is that people are comfortable staying in their own neighborhoods. And so that pop-up is in a different neighborhood than we are. Mm -hmm. um, And so we can then bless people in other ways. But I think without the partnerships, things would just be even more chaotic than they feel. Absolutely. We're not an island here. We are a community. And while the rescue mission is uh, one of the larger uh, organizations in the community helping the homeless and the hungry, we can't do it all. Right. And uh, it's so uh, gratifying, I think, and and wise for us to work together. Correct. Uh, They say we not work harder, but smarter together. And we're still working on that because as this Unemployment uh, continues to go forward. Um, there are some unknowns in the future, but the forecast is not looking that great, even if uh, we go back to work after May 3rd. That's mm-hmm. what we're looking at in Kansas is the possibility of starting to go back towards a more normal. There's still going to be individuals who couldn't pay their rent, mm-hmm. um, who maybe not being able to return to work. The unknown amount of hunger and rent assistance and utility assistance and maybe even homelessness um, it's probably going to increase. Mm-hmm. And so uh, with that said, uh, we will still probably be on guard for coronavirus right. for some time. We just mm-hmm. don't know how much time. So we won't be able to just relax and go back to normal, but there may be more homeless folks. And so um, Miriam, talk about partnerships in regards to that. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's that conundrum of being able to prepare for the unexpected, right? So how do you predict what might be coming down the line, and how do we work together to really think smarter, to to bring all of our minds to the table, to say, okay, if this happens, how do we prepare for it now? How do we make sure that we have all of our bases covered? Um, Because of this collaboration of organizations that do different things that can come together and say, well, I can do that. If you do this, I can do this. Mm -hmm. And then that's really what makes this whole kind of system work much more effectively. 
And While also, we try to predict what we don't know. <laughs> and we're not going to know. That's right. why we, we need your prayers. And right. uh, we need godly wisdom to understand what is the next best step. Because we can step the wrong direction and, and people will not have their needs met. And we can step the right direction. Just like the school situation where we found out that um, uh, not only were the kids not going to be in school, but we had some kids here who needed schooling, but we didn't have any teachers to be able to come in. And so uh, we scrambled here a couple of weeks ago on a weekend, like, what are we going to do? It's starting Monday, and these poor children, you know, they're already behind in school, a lot of them because of homelessness. And just, Kim, what happened again, and how's that going? God had his hand on that whole situation. So he said we scrambled, but it's just because we didn't know what was going to happen. We were scrambling our brains. Yeah. <laughs> but in the same sense, though, it was just like two different connections we had. Um, one with Washburn University with Christian Challenge there. Um, and then a couple of my volunteers, too. And then 501 um, put it out to their teachers. And I'm taken care of right now with the volunteers for that. Um, so our staff member overseeing it, she's been blown away with the connections that have been formed with the several different teachers from 501 coming in. And then we have our community volunteers too. So it's been awesome to see the relationships that have formed. And like we've mentioned before, some of these relationships and the connections these kids are getting now, they probably wouldn't have gotten in the classroom and nothing Mm -hmm. against teachers or anything because they do a marvelous job of teaching the kids. But having that one-on-one interaction, they just don't, aren't able to do that in the classrooms. You know, and, and I think there's a number of things that we can learn from this experience. Mm-hmm. Once we're past COVID, whatever that's going to be, the value of that special attention that these kids need. Mm-hmm. Um, the, again, schools are doing a phenomenal job. They are working hard. I think oh, yeah. what I'm hearing a lot of parents are going, I'll never criticize a teacher again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll never say another bad thing about yes, teachers. Some, some <laughs> Please come back. Yeah, take our children. Um and I think there's a reality that, you know, until we walk in somebody's shoes, mm-hmm. we don't know what, really what it's like. Yeah. And so um, some of the uh, things that I've seen in the schoolroom have just been so heartwarming mm-hmm. um, about um, these volunteers sitting down with these children one-on-one, mm-hmm. uh, helping them to uh, learn the lessons on the computer. And there's so much relationship going on here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that, uh, I hope we don't forget the lessons we've learned here about yeah. connection, mm-hmm. about connection and, and watch, walking in other people's shoes and getting to understand them. And, and this is uh, uh, an opportunity that uh, uh, won't come around again, we hope. <laughs> not like this. Not for this reason. Not, anyway. not for this reason, but we can, you know, get through this and learn how to really walk with people. You know, in, in, in ending today, um, and again, we just want to give people updates and we'll continue to do this um, on a weekly basis so that uh, those of you who are listening or maybe you're going back and archiving this and kind of catching up with us where this is going and this is one way you can learn and also learn how to get involved. Uh, by and large, a lot of people don't understand homelessness and poverty and hunger, and, and that's, that's okay because they haven't walked there. But those who have or family members who have had individuals who've been homeless and hungry, they understand it. But a lot of times it's easy to look at that person who is in need and say they did something wrong. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people in our food lines and at the shelter that did anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Didn't do anything wrong. And I, I, uh, I conclude today with a story that I've told over and over and over again um, that uh, occurred 34 years ago today. <laughs> And uh, today is my 34th uh, anniversary at the rescue mission, my wow. first day at the mission. It's called The Man with the Pants. It's in the book, In Darkness, a Light Still Shines. And people say, tell us that story again. That's the best story we've heard out of your 52 stories you told. That's the best one. So I'm going to tell it again today. And it really is about 
are really about our perceptions when we see someone who appears to um, be a certain way, but they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, my first day at the mission, I came in, and I like kind of start out how it really started. I'd never been to the mission before. I'm the director walking in for the first time. That's kind of an unusual way to take a job, but that's a long story behind that story. <laughs> but I walked in. I had my coat and tie on and uh, came up to the front desk, and there was a guy. Mr. Betts was sitting there. He's a former guy from, from uh, um, Chicago. And a little tiny fella sitting behind this big, overgrown kind of a, a hotel lobby desk type thing that got ripped out of a hotel and put in a rescue mission. And he's in this uh, big uh, leather, black leather chair that was literally held together with gray duct tape. So black chair, gray duct tape all around it. And, um, and I came in. I said, uh, hi, my name is Barry. And he goes, I know who you are. And I said, okay. And I said, what should I do? And he says, your office is around the corner. I said, okay, what should I do when I go in there? Stay in there today and leave tonight about five. <laughs> Don't come out. <laughs> so that was my welcome. And I walked in and there was this desk and there was another leather gray chair, a uh, chair with gray duct tape wrapped around it, a set of keys. And I sat there and sat there and I go, what do I do? And I got one phone call in the morning. That was it. I walked around a little bit, still didn't know what to do. Didn't know who the homeless were. Didn't know anything about it. And about two o'clock in the afternoon, I get another call. And the guy said, you the new director? And I said, yes, sir. He said, well, I got a business down here on North Kansas Avenue, and you got a drunk coming down the street. And um, he's coming your way, and he's got his pants down around his ankles. And he said, you need to do something about these drunks. And he hung up the phone. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm responsible for anybody who's in the streets in North Topeka. And uh, I walked out on the sidewalk, and um, it was a a day similar to today, a little crisp and cool outside. The sun was shining. And here comes a fella coming right down the middle of Kansas Avenue. And sure enough, he's got his trousers hanging down around his ankles, and he's shuffling along. He comes up over the tracks, and uh, he's kind of staggering back and forth as he's shuffling. And sure enough, he looks like he's intoxicated. Well, because I'm the new guy on the block, and I'd shed the coat and tie by this time. I wasn't wearing a coat and tie in a homeless shelter. And um, as you notice today, I don't have a coat and tie on. Uh, I do that rarely anymore. But um, uh, the 15 or so homeless folks that were staying with us, now you can imagine that's all we had in the shelter back then, so we didn't need a lot of staff. I was it. And uh, we have a whole lot more of homeless folks today. But they were all kind of gathering around me to say, what are you going to do about this? Because they kind of heard, because of the the first call came into the front desk about the drunk. And so they're watching this new guy. What's he going to do? And as the guy got up closer to me, and I'm standing up on the sidewalk, and I'm looking at him, he is, um, he doesn't look drunk. What he looks at is he looks old, and he looks like he's just worn out and thin and tired, and he'd been out in the sun for a while. And I'll never forget, as he looked up at me, he reached out his hand just to see if I would help him up on the sidewalk. And so I reached out my hand, and I helped him up on the sidewalk, and he still had his trousers hanging down. And um, I said, uh, can I help you? And I said, do you need a place to stay? And he goes, no, I'm okay. I said, are you hungry? And he said, um, uh, no, I'm fine. Um, he said, but I sure am thirsty. Do you have any water? And I said, Sure. And then he said, do you have a belt? (laughs) I said, what? Mm -hmm. He said, do you have a belt? I can't keep my pants up. Mm. You know, real practical. 
And so I go, I, I don't know. And I said, do we have a belt here? And some guy says, yeah, we'll go find a belt. And they were gone for a little while. And this guy drank about five glasses of water. I mean, just down, down, down. He was so thirsty. Little tiny fella um, was just, uh, looked like he just got worn out. And so we came back with a belt and I handed it to him and he said, I'm sorry, I can't bend over. And uh, he said, uh, would you mind helping me with my pants to get my pants up and put this belt on me? And uh, he said he was in a construction accident many years ago and today was a really bad day. And um, he said, uh, I'm really sorry I can't bend over. And I thought at that point, okay, what do I do? I'm the director, so should I really do that? Should I be the guy that bends over to pull the guy's pants up? Or should I, as the director, tell one of the other guys to pull his pants up? And I would like to uh, say that was only a nanosecond before I decided to do the right thing, but it was probably three or four nanoseconds because, you know, everybody's looking at you. What are you going to do? And fortunately, um, I was the one who got down and pulled his pants up and put the belt around him, and he was very thin. And uh, I knew he was poor. He wasn't necessarily homeless, but he definitely wasn't drunk. And uh, put the belt around him and got his pants cinched up so they wouldn't fall down again. And I said, is there anything else I can do for you? And he goes, no, but I really appreciate it. Thank you, and God bless you. And he stuck his hand out to shake my hand again. He stepped off the curb and walked away. I never saw the guy again. Um, I passed the test. Everybody was judging me what I was going to do. Um, but uh, I went home that night, and I'll never forget, uh, my wife and two little girls at that time came up to me at the front door and said, how was your first day at the rescue mission? I go, interesting. What did you do today? And I said, I gave a guy a belt. And that's it? I go, that was it. So all I did, gave one guy a belt. But it was bigger than that, and I would realize over the years that what I was able to learn is don't judge somebody because of what somebody else says about them. Don't judge somebody because of what they look like. Just don't judge. Wait to hear their story. Wait to hear what their need is and see how that you can help them. And I think if anything today that I will take back after 34 years here at the Rescue Mission is that um, I've seen a lot of people that just needed a belt or something that was much simpler than what it may appear on the front end. And to not judge them has been one of the number one most important things. And sometimes it's hard. There's people's behaviors and some things that they do that aren't always that easy to swallow. But what created that? What was it in their life that may have caused the addiction, the mental illness, maybe the criminal behavior, whatever traumas they've gone through in their lives, to have the understanding as Christ has that understanding and how he died for the whole world, not just for people who um, got their pants up, <laughs> but everybody. He died for everybody. And so I think one of the values that I've not only learned, but we're all beginning to learn, it could happen to anybody now. Homelessness, hunger, sickness, um, job, job loss, um, losing your ability to just make ends meet. We just don't know how far this is going to go. And I think as we network, as we're a community, as we've seen this sharing, like we're doing at the agency level and the ministry level, mm -hmm. um, we have an opportunity to do like these folks that are volunteering to work with the kids, to really come in and say, you know, not sure what happened in the past, but I know here's where we are now. And so what can we do to be involved in your life? 
And so um, I'm grateful to have been here these 34 years, and uh, I'm grateful that we get to do what we're doing today. As we can all say, um, wherever you are, wherever you're listening, God knew that you were going to be born for a time such as this. And so don't miss what God's got for you. Thank you for listening to our community, our mission, and we appreciate all your support that you give to the Topeka Rescue Mission and throughout this community to help those in need. Uh, We are a community together, and it is our mission to work together as the Lord leads. If you'd like to help Topeka Rescue Mission, you can go to our website at trmonline.org. And on there, we have information as well as a button to give if you would like to give. Additionally, you can text to give to TRM, uh, text to give TRM to 77977. Text TRM give to 77977. Thank you for listening, and we'll join you again next week. God bless.